Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. So we're on part eight now of our mindset for success. And so far we've covered belief. Then we were looking at starting your day strong and we covered silence or meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading. And uh, we did positive thinking and talking last week. And today we're talking about courage and confidence. And there's a really important relationship between confidence and courage because have you ever felt a lack of confidence was holding you back from living up to your true potential? When you're thinking of reaching out for your greatest goals and dreams, do you fear that you won't have what it takes? Courage is one way to overcome feelings of low confidence. But what kind of courage are we talking about? Well, we'll look at that in, in a bit more detail in a moment. But first, I wanted to say that if you, you yourself are struggling with confidence, don't be too quick to assume that your feelings are based on any kind of personal inadequacy. There are many, many reasons why confidence is such an issue in people's lives, and a lot of them have to do with conditioning. In many ways, our society teaches us to doubt ourselves. It's all part of the conditioning process that is, that is designed to make us dependent rather than independent. And so often, the way that teachers or parents even help us grow up they do things from a place of love but it can often leave us with a lack of confidence because they're trying to look after you and keep you safe so don't be afraid of your own greatness I know quite a few people who have had the courage to push forward towards their dreams even when they didn't feel especially confident and you know what happened not only did they make amazing progress, but they were also able to build their confidence along the way. And um, there is something that we can all learn from this. Taking action is one of the most effective ways to conquer self-doubt. There is power in doing. Taking action is how we prove to ourselves that our lack of confidence was based on perception and not reality. And your personal greatness lies beyond the wall of low confidence. So do you have the courage to start climbing that wall? Where did the wall of low confidence come from? As we've already said, it, it is really our social structure that's actually designed to produce people who undervalue their own abilities. Um, for some reason, children are often taught to look to external sources for validation, that they're a worthwhile human being. They grow up believing that their personal value depends on the approval of others. And they look at things like their grades, their looks, being with friends, being with the right people. And that's not necessarily the right way for people to feel. Why is going to school and learning to regurgitate useless information to get good grades meaningful? Why is it, why is it meaningful to us? A lot of those grades, a lot of those tests are quite meaningless and it would be better if we learned some more practical things or learned about confidence and courage when we're at school. Wouldn't it be better to teach creative thinking and problem solving? Um, what do you think happens to extremely creative children who get a D grade on their report card, while those who are much less creative are getting A's and B's? It can deal with it, it can result in a lack of confidence and, a, and low sense of self worth. There's a fantastic story in a book called Finding Your Element by Sir Ken Robinson, and the book begins with the story of Gillian, a young girl described as a highly active girl who performs very poorly in her academic work because she's always busy moving her body and being distracted by the world around her. And by today's standards, Gillian would be immediately diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and more than likely, said Robinson, would be medicated and sent to a special school. 
But Gillian came of age in the 30s, long before it was common to have a diagnosis of ADHD. She was sent for psychological tests because she was simply unable to be successful at school. But after a short observation, the psychologist told her mother that Gillian wasn't sick, but she was a dancer. The recommendation was to take her to dance school so that she could be in her element. And of course the story ends happily when we learn that this is the story of Gillian Lynn, one of the most accomplished choreographers of all time. Gillian went on to have a wildly successful career in the field of dance where she excelled by living her passion and her talent. It's interesting to note that the same society that seems to discourage creativity outside the box also honours those who display this quality. So from Henry Ford to Bill Gates, those with the confidence and courage to follow through on their dreams have been honoured. Do you think people like these never suffered from self-doubt or lack of confidence? Well, maybe some of them did, but even if they did, they never let it stand in their way, and neither should you. They had the courage to take the action, and the rest, as they say, is history. Did you know that Thomas Edison, Walt Disney, and Albert Einstein didn't do well in school? These are famous, highly honoured individuals who had the courage to follow their creative dreams, regardless of the opinion of other popular people, even in the face of ridicule. They mustered up the courage to take action and overcame their self-doubt. So what can we learn from this? Well, it's perfectly normal to harbour feelings of self-doubt, considering how most of us were raised. And these feelings can be overcome. Um, and taking action towards your dreams is a big step in the right direction. You need to believe, really believe, and we spoke about that in the first part of this series, that there is something wonderfully unique and valuable about you and your creative abilities. You also need to recognise that it will take some courage to prove that to your uh, sorry to prove to yourself, and if you have the courage to take action, confidence will follow. There's a great story. Um, about Richard Branson and it's him and people like Tony Robbins they all say fake it until you make it because that will help you have the courage and there's a, there was a documentary about Necker Island and uh, a great story about how Richard Branson actually purchased Necker Island and um, I've written down the story in his words here which I will read to you because it's it's a wonderful story he said that what do you do when you hear that there's an island with the same name as your company up for sale will you call the people selling it and inquire to be honest with you i'd never heard of the virgin islands i had no idea where they were located or that they were actually called the british virgin islands but one thursday in 1978 branson was told that they existed and that he could actually potentially own one he'd been madly trying to impress a young girl he'd fallen for so he rang up the estate agent and expressed his interest they were still in the very early days of Virgin Records and he by no means had the cash to buy the island. Luckily, the estate agent didn't know this and offered him an all-expenses-paid trip to see the islands that weekend. He agreed to go on one condition, that he could bring a guest. To his delight, the object of his affection agreed to join him on the trip and he said he fell in love twice that weekend. Once with the island as a helicopter supplied by the estate agent of course swooped over the turquoise waters and sandy beaches of Necker Island and again when he saw the smile on the face of the beautiful girl who sat beside him on the journey. Together they strolled around the island and dreamed up plans for turning it into a haven for musicians. Well those dreams were quickly spoiled when the estate agent quoted the discounted asking price of six million dollars. Smitten 
with the unspoilt paradise and keen to impress his new love, he offered the highest amount he could afford at the time, which was $100,000. As you can imagine, the estate agent was less than impressed and left them high and dry to find their own way back home. A year later, however, a charming man named Derek Dunlop arrived at their houseboat in London and explained that nobody else had made an offer for Necker Island and that the owner of the island was desperate to sell. And Virgin Records was in a much better position than it had been a year before. So Richard Branson quickly agreed to purchase the island for $180,000, a bit different to the $6 million original price tag. And the only condition that was given to him was that they would have to build a resort on the island within four years. Well, Richard goes on to say it wasn't that smooth sailing, but luckily this guy Derek was on hand to help him through the formal procedure because there were lots and lots of bits of red tape he had to get through. But he did what what he had to do and he bought the island. And as for the girl, well, he married her, married her there 11 years later in front of all their family and friends and their two children, Holly and Sam. So as Richard Branson would say, if there's something you really need to do and you haven't got the confidence, find the courage and in his words, just screw it, just do it. Get out there and do what you need to do. I think that's such a lovely story that really does highlight that anyone can find that confidence if you can just pluck up the courage and do it. So we will be back next week with part number nine and we're talking about goals. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not keep up to date with the sound of Surrey by listening live at brooklandsradio.co.uk or through our free mobile app.